0: Well good morning JICF and good morning to any visitors who might be tuning in uh, today for the first time. We're so glad that all of you are with us today on this Lord's Day. Today we're going to be talking about rising above rejection. Rising above rejection from Matthew chapter 13 verses 53 through 58. I don't know about you but I know I've lived long enough to experience some rejection in my life, and I think if you've lived long enough as well, um, you too have experienced rejection in your life. Uh, Perhaps it be in, in relationships, it be professionally, it be socially. I believe that, again, if we've been around long enough, there has been times in our life where we just haven't met other people's expectations for whatever reason, And we have felt rejected. We have felt like we don't fit. And the fact of the matter is, as humans with emotions, it hurts sometimes. It does hurt. Well, I'd like to give two examples of of two men, uh, one a preacher, one a basketball player, that early in their life, they experienced rejection. Some of you may have heard of the uh, famous Bible teacher and preacher G. Campbell Morgan he he was born in 1863 he lived until 1945 and g campbell morgan was a great expositor of the bible he pastored for over 20 years westminster chapel well known church in london england he uh, he spoke at conferences with the likes of dl moody and he was just used mightily of god he often went back and forth from from the uk to north america to 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 pastor, to lead in Bible conferences. He wrote over 70 books, he preached thousands of sermons. He was used my Live God. But G. Campbell Morgan when he was a young man he was applying to the Wesleyan ministry there in England and he had passed through all the the doctrinal thesis, the tests as far as you know testing his doctrine and all of those things and he only needed to pass a trial sermon before the admission board. To the Wesleyan Ministry, well, he was standing in the, in the huge auditorium there, preaching in front of about a hundred people, and many were going to be observing him and, 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 and scoring him in his preaching. Well, to his dismay, a list came out of all the young men who were rejected to enter the Wesleyan ministry that year, and guess whose name was on that list? G. Campbell Morgan. Was he upset? Was he discouraged? He was. He wrote a letter to his dad, and he said one word, rejected. He was down. But his, his dad wrote him back and said, Rejected among men, but accepted by God. And obviously, he didn't stop. He didn't let the discouragement ruin him. G. Campbell Morgan got up from that experience, from that rejection, and again went on to be used mightily of God. And the accolades I've already shared previously. Another person who experienced some rejection, I think, who needs no introduction is Michael Jordan. Did you know that Michael Jordan, the famous basketball player, probably the best player to ever step onto the hardwood, his 10th grade year in high school at Laney High School there in Wilmington, North Carolina, he did not make the varsity men's basketball team. At that time, he was only 5'10", and the coach wanted someone with a little bit more height and he didn't he wasn't one of the 15 members selected to make the varsity men's high school basketball team there it is high school was he hurt was he rejected he was he recalls how he he found out that he he didn't make the team he didn't make the varsity team and he he went home and he locked himself in his room and he and he sobbed and he cried well he kept working hard and between in the summer before his 11th grade year he he grew four inches and He went on to be the best player at Laney High School, his junior and senior seasons. His senior season, he was a high school uh, All-American, went on to star at the University of North Carolina, and then we know uh, his career in the NBA with the Chicago Bulls. Six NBA titles, five league MVPs, scored over 32,000 points, and again, probably the best player ever to play the game. But what if he would have let that rejection get him down? What if he would have stopped? what would have happened? Would we know who Michael Jordan is? Number 23 from the Chicago Bulls. Dear friends, again, we are going to experience rejection in our life, and being able to rise above rejection is a critical component in fulfilling God's purpose and plan for your life. I'll say that one more time. Being able to rise above rejection is a critical component in fulfilling God's purpose and plan for your life and mine. And today we're going to be studying from Matthew 13, verses 53 through 57, excuse me, through 58, about how Jesus, our very Lord and Savior himself, was rejected. And he was rejected among people from his very own hometown there in Nazareth. Well, let me read the text for us. Matthew chapter 13, verses 53 through 58. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version of God's Word. The Bible says, And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there, and coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue, so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. This is the word of the Lord. i want to draw out two truths from this text, dear friends, about rejection this morning. Before we do, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for yet another opportunity to gather as the church and worship the Lord Jesus, to lift His name on high and to study from Your Word. And Father, I pray right now that Your Word would go forth in power. It would accomplish all that You have willed it to accomplish on this very day in the hearts of those who are listening to the preached Word. God, would You speak to us? Would we open our hearts and would You open our hearts so that we can hear and heed what You want us to hear and heed right now. Be with Your servant. I ask for the Spirit's anointing, the Spirit's power, for the glory of God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, the first truth that I want us to see from this text here regarding rejection, I want us to see the reason for rejection. The reason for rejection. What was the reason why the Jews at large, and particularly here in our text in verses 53 through 57a, why the people of Nazareth were rejecting Jesus? Well, if we see in our text here, it says that Jesus, he had, he had been preaching and, and ministering there in the region of Galilee, and he's still in Galilee, but he moved south to Nazareth, his hometown. And when he came to his hometown of Nazareth, he was teaching in the synagogue. And the Bible says here, the people who were hearing him teach were astonished. And almost sarcastically, they, they ask, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Isn't he just the carpenter's son? Isn't he just the son of Joseph? He's from this common family. His mother we know. Her name is Mary. We know his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. And we know his sisters. How could this Jesus that we all know, this hometown boy, be teaching with such wisdom and power and performing these miraculous signs and wonders and claiming that he's the Messiah. They couldn't believe it. This is Jesus. He's a common person. We, We know him. We've seen him grow up. And they rejected him as the Messiah. Because Jesus didn't meet their expectations. Jesus didn't fit the mold for what they thought God's Messiah would look and be like, dear friends. For the Jews and particularly the people of Nazareth, this Jesus was way too common. He wasn't from a prominent family. He wasn't the political and military hero that they they were expecting to help them come out from underneath the Roman rule over them. They wanted deliverance from being ruled by other nations. But the sad thing is Jesus came for a much greater deliverance. He came to deliver them and deliver us from our sin. Not just political bondage, social bondage, but from the bondage and chains of sin. The Jewish people were looking with such a a narrow and closed outlook. Jesus came for something so much bigger. Freedom from sin. Reconciliation with God. And they just couldn't accept him. How could this man claim to be the Messiah? He didn't fit their mold. Many, many years before Jesus came to this earth, the prophet Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 53, verses 2 through 3, about the Messiah who was to come. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. So, what Isaiah was prophesying about Jesus the Messiah was from a physical perspective, there was nothing that was spectacular about him. No beauty. It's very common. Verse 3 of Isaiah 53, He was despised and rejected by men. Isaiah's is already prophesying that Jesus would be rejected, and indeed He was, as we see here from our text today. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hid their faces, He was despised and we esteemed Him not. Jesus just didn't fit their mold. And perhaps he doesn't fit a lot of people's mold today. You mean to tell me a man is also God? And that just doesn't settle with a lot of people. And it's so sad. Because the truth of Scriptures is Jesus is the God-man. Jesus is fully man. Jesus is fully God and as a man he took our sins he bore them on Calvary's cross so that our sins can be forgiven and we sinful people can be reconciled to God by repentance and faith in Jesus Christ and that just doesn't fit for a lot of people and Jesus of Nazareth didn't fit the mold of the people of Nazareth as they thought who the Messiah should be. And they rejected him for that. What was the reason why the people of Nazareth in our text and Jews at large rejected Jesus? Because he didn't meet their expectations. He didn't fit their mold as to what they thought the Messiah, Messiah should be. And we too, dear friends, often don't satisfy other people's expectations of what they think we should be like. Maybe we don't come from the the prominent family. Maybe we don't have the credentials. Maybe we didn't go to the top academic school or university. Maybe we don't know the right people, quote-unquote. Maybe we look a little different. Maybe we talk a little different. Maybe our personality is not what those closest to us think it should be like. And if we let that get to us, if we soak in the negativity and the rejection by what other people think we should be like, Friends, we'll be miserable. And what it means is we're living to please people. And if we live to please people, when they don't accept us, when we don't fit into their mold, it can crush us, it can derail us, church, from the good purposes and plans that God has for our lives. And the Bible instructs us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, to not to live to please people. Paul wrote, But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. Oh, dear friend, are you living to please man, people, today? Or are you living to please God? If we are following the Lord Jesus Christ, seeking God's kingdom, seeking God's righteousness, let me tell you, people will reject us. If they reject our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, they will reject us too. But let me just tell you now, Again, a very important note, if indeed we are children of God, we have placed our faith in Jesus, we are pursuing to know God, we are pursuing to make His, His kingdom to come in and through our lives as we reflect His Son, the Lord Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. If that is our aim, the desires of our heart, we'll be rejected. But let me say, it's not always your fault and mine if people reject us. Jesus was not in the wrong here. He was just living out His personhood. He was doing what His Father had sent Him to do, which was at this time to preach the gospel of the kingdom, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons, and to let people know the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. The very rule and reign in God is here in, the, in me as the Son of Man, Son of God, the second member of the Holy Trinity. Jesus wasn't wrong. And oftentimes we're not wrong. It's not our fault that people reject us. So don't let that poison be infused in your mind. In a minute, I'm going to tell you what we need to do from our our text today and learning from what Jesus did. but sometimes dear friends, God might be allowing us to be rejected in order to protect us. Amen in order to bless us. He might we might experience rejection in this job application. they say we don't have the credentials. Our resume's not built up enough. We don't have enough experience, but God's got an even better job for us, amen? He's got a better opportunity for us. We might get rejected at this university that we really want to go to, but God doesn't allow us to get accepted there, why? Because he's got a better place for us. We're going to meet friends that are going to encourage us in our faith. We're going to grow there spiritually. We're going to get a great education and we're going to be well prepped for the career that God has for us. And then we look back and say, God knew all along. Praise Him. Friends, this is the reason for rejection. The reason for Jesus was rejected because He didn't fit or meet the expectations of the Jews and what they thought the Messiah should look like. And oftentimes people reject us because we don't meet their expectations. But again, the problem's not with us. So how do we get over rejection? The second truth and the second point that I want to draw from this text this morning, I want to talk about the resolution for overcoming rejection. We saw the reason for rejection. Now I want us to see the resolution for overcoming rejection. And we see this in verses 57 through 58. Let me read again. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. As we see here in our text, it was those closest to Jesus, the people of his own hometown there in Nazareth, who were rejecting him. And oftentimes that happens to us. It could be the people closest to us that that reject us, that refuse to believe that we have what it takes to do this or that. It was the people closest to Jesus who re- who rejected Him. And there was a point there before Jesus went to the cross in John chapter 7 and verse 5 within the context of the Feast of Booths, the Bible says, for not even His brothers believed in Him. Not even Jesus's. There was a time where not even Jesus's brothers believed in Him. They had grown up with Him. They had lived in the same house. And how in the world could jesus our brother be doing all these things jesus our brother he's the self-claim of of being the messiah and the son of god really and how must have jesus felt to experience that rejection as god and as man with emotions I just wonder if Jesus was hurt. We know in the Bible it says that Jesus looked over Jerusalem and he wept. He was saddened because of the hardness of hearts that he saw. The closed-mindedness of the very people he came to to save. The Jews. We know as Romans 1.16 tells us, The gospel came to the Jews first and then to the Greek, then to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. But yet the majority of the people were rejecting Jesus. I just imagine it, it made Him sad. It hurt Him. He was coming to lay down His life for them so they could be freed from bondage of sin. And to be reconciled back to God. But ultimately, Jesus did not allow this rejection to deter or derail him from God the Father's purpose and plan for his son's life, for Jesus' life. The Bible goes on to say in our text, he, he only did a few miracles there in Nazareth. And then what did he do? He moved on. He moved on, church. He moved on. The people's hearts were hard. Their minds were closed. They were filled with unbelief, as our text says here. Unbelief that this Jesus of Nazareth, who they knew, could be the Messiah. But Jesus moved on. He kept His focus on His Father and on the mission that the Father had given Him to accomplish which was ultimately the cross for you and for me, for the world. So how did Jesus overcome this rejection? One, He kept a focus on the Father. And friends, when we are experiencing rejection, what do we need to do? We need to keep a focus on the Father in our relationship with Him. In the very next chapter in Matthew 14, After the feeding of the 5,000 men, not including women and children, what did Jesus do? He dismissed the crowds. He went up to the mountain by Himself to pray, Matthew 14, verse 23 said. He pursued intimacy with His Father. And in pursuing intimacy with God, friends, what does it do? It drowns out the chatter from the crowds. It drowns out the rejection from others. We forget about that we weren't good enough. We forget about that we don't look like our family says we should look like. We forget about that the person interviewing us for the job said, well, you didn't meet the credentials. You didn't have enough experience. We begin to move on that, that yes, this particular business failed. But, God is still with me. And He's going to help me to overcome this failure. Jesus focused on His Father and their relationship with His Father. And His relationship with His Father and doing the will of His Father was most important to Jesus. He said, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me. Jesus so loved the Father, and the Father so loves His Son. If we go back in Matthew, in Matthew 3, verse 17, at Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist there at the Jordan River, Matthew 3, verse 17, there when Jesus is being baptized, what, what does the Father from heaven say? He says, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. And then, There at the Mount of Transfiguration, fast forward to Matthew 17 in verse 5, the Father says the same thing to Jesus, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, as Peter, James, and John were gathered there at the Mount of Transfiguration to see this transfigured Christ. The Father so loved the Son, and Jesus knew that. The people he came to save, his very own, very own people of his town may not love him. They didn't appreciate him. They didn't accept him. But he knew his father accepted him. Do you know today, beloved, that our Father in heaven loves you? He accepts you. He made you without any mistakes the bible says in psalm 139 verses 13 through 14 the psalmist in his in his prayer to god he says for you formed my inward parts you knitted me together in my mother's womb i praise you for i am fearfully and wonderfully made god did not make a mistake in creating us god did not make a mistake in our physical appearance in our personality God is perfect. He doesn't make a mistake. And you're not a mistake. I'm not a mistake. And for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we are children of God. Isaiah 43 verses 3-4 through 4 says... The Bible says this God says speaking for I am the Lord your God the holy one of Israel your savior I give Egypt as your ransom Cush and Seba in exchange for you because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. Yes, you say, Jonathan, this is God speaking to the physical Israel. Yes, I understand that. But the physical Israel is just as much God's covenant people as we are the church, the spiritual Israel. So if we are in Christ Jesus, we have turned from our sins, we have put our faith in Jesus' finished work on the cross, we are following Him, we followed Jesus yesterday, we're following Jesus today, we're going to follow Jesus tomorrow, and next week, and next month, and next year. Friends, this promise is for you and for me. God is saying, I love you. You are precious in my eyes. And maybe some of you, I, I believe some of you listening today need to hear that. You are precious in God's eyes. You're not a mistake. He loves you with an everlasting love, Jeremiah 31, verse 3. you got to believe that. Because when we know that, when we're consumed by that, when we're absorbed in that, when the rejection comes, when the negative speech comes our way, it can just it can hit us but then bounce off of us. Because what matters most is not what people think of me, but what God has said about me in His Word. Amen? When you experience rejection, beloved, remember how much God loves you and keep seeking Him. Keep seeking to hear His voice and further instructions as you look to Him. Look ahead at what... His purpose and plan is for you and not look back. When the prophet Elijah was being hunted down by Queen Jezebel after slaying the 450 prophets of Baal, Elijah came to Mount Horeb in Sinai. And let me just read to you in 1 Kings 19 verses 9 through 18 about how in the midst of the prophet Elijah being rejection, rejected, hunted down, no one was with him, no one was on his side, he kept seeking God. He kept seeking to hear what a word from God, and God spoke to him and gave him instructions about what he needed to do next. And God was going to bless Elijah as well. Let me read 1 Kings chapter 19. Verses 9-18, through 18, the Bible says, There he, that's Elijah, came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. That means very jealous for the Lord. That means he's, and he, he wants to do God's work. He wants Israel to, to come back to Yahweh. He's jealous for God and, and God's holy character. And he wants people to be pursuing holiness again. And trusting God. Carrying on. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. You see, he's being rejected. Queen Jezebel is trying to hunt him down. The people of, of, of Israel are rejecting him. Here he has. He's through God's power upon his life. The 450 prophets of Baal had been defeated at Mount Carmel. God in His power had come down and consumed Elijah's offering. But yet people still were rejecting God. People still were rejecting God's prophet. Imagine how Elijah must have felt. Here he is all alone at Mount Horeb. What happens next? Verse 11, and he said, go out. God says to Elijah, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind, tore the mountains in broken pieces, the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. But listen to this, church. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his faith in his face in his cloak, and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave and behold there came a voice to him and said what are you doing here elijah he said i've been very jealous for the lord the god of hosts what that you see elijah's staying focused on his mission focused on his purpose to proclaim the word of the lord he's not derailed even though he'd been rejected he said, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria, and Jehu the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abel Meholah, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. And I bet this encouraged Elijah's Elijah's heart in verse 18. Listen to this. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Elijah had been rejected by the people. He goes to Mount Horeb, gets in a cave. What does he do? He seeks Intimacy with God. He goes after God's presence. He wants God. Just like Jesus did. It's what kept him going. And that's what keeps us going. When people reject us. When we experience bumps along the way. Failures along the way. You go into your cave, quote-unquote. You get alone with God. You get on your face. You open your Bible. You read God's promises. You preach God's promises back to God. You worship in tears. You pray like you've never prayed before. And I'm telling you, the slow, the gentle, soft whisper of God will come to you. God is a God who speaks. God still speaks through His Word. God speaks through His Holy Spirit. And He will speak to you, dear friend. Maybe you're going through a tough time right now. Maybe you've been rejected. Maybe you're down and out because of the pandemic that's almost been going on a year now. Maybe you've lost your business. Maybe you've lost a lot of money. Maybe you've lost loved ones. I'm here to tell you, God loves you. God wants to revive you. God wants to build you back up. God wants to speak to you. But you've got to seek Him and seek Him with all your heart. That's what Elijah did. And God came and spoke to him. And God gave him a word. I'm not done with you yet. I've still got some work for you to do, Elijah. Elijah was to go and and anoint the new king over Israel, Jehu. He was to anoint his successor, Elisha, which would take up the mantle of Elijah, his predecessor. And then God blesses Elijah. What had Elijah been so torn up about? It was because Israel had rejected Yahweh. But here in verse 18 of 1 Kings 19, the Bible says, God says and promises Elijah, I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal. There was a remnant. God says there's still a remnant of my people. 7,000 who are still with me, who are still with you, Elijah. Oh, how that must have blessed Elijah's heart, church. And I'm telling you, when you seek God, the miracle will come. The blessing will come. God will encourage you. God will do something that only God can do. Don't you love the paradoxes of God? He wants to do it in your life. He wants to do it in mine. Elijah stayed focused on seeking after God and stayed focused on his mission. And that's exactly what Jesus did as well. He pursued intimacy with the Father and he stayed focused on the plan and purpose that God had given him. Jesus remained focused. The very next chapter in verse, in chapter 14, he, he'll, he, he goes out and he, people he'd been teaching and people were hungry. And what does he do? He takes the five little loaves of bread and the two fish. He blesses it, multiplies it. He feeds 5,000 men, not including women and children. He didn't let the rejection derail him from what God had sent him to do. He remained focused till the very end. And he finished his mission. And what was his reward? He got to go back to the right hand of the Father in heaven. And one day Jesus is going to come back. Jesus is going to come back and every person that's ever lived and living will bow their knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And for eternity, the King will rule and reign over His eternal kingdom. Doesn't that encourage us, despite the failures, despite the rejection, to stay faithful to what God's called us to do? Because when we do, dear friend, there's rewards for us. There's eternal rewards. And I want you to know, God's plan for us is good. God's plan for Jesus was good. God's plan for Elijah was good. And God's plan for you, if you're a child of God, is good. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible is Jeremiah 29, 11. I love this verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. To give you hope and a future. That's God's promise for us. His plans for us are good. He wants to process, prosper us. He wants to bless us. He wants to give us success. Why? Not so we can boast a bit about how smart we are, about our connections or how much money we have, so we can boast in the Lord. We can say, this success has happened to me. I've experienced this, this favor of God. It has nothing to do with me. It's all because of Him and His grace. See, that's a testimony. And that's what God... That's what God wants from us. That's what He wanted from Israel, but they failed so often. He blessed little old Israel that was so small compared to the surrounding nations. But He wanted to pour out His blessing and His power so they could boast of God, so they could reflect God and His glory and His goodness, not in anything that they were good about. But they got arrogant and prideful and they turned away. God loves to bless His children. He loves to pour out His favor upon us Dear friends, because again, it results in us being able to testify to God's goodness and greatness in our lives. This is a little personal testimony and I'll be done. Very recently, end of last year up until now, God had put something new on my heart to do professionally. And it wasn't so much other people rejecting the idea or saying I couldn't do it, but it was more of in my mind. I thought, I can't do this. I don't have any background in, in this area. I don't have training. I'm already middle-aged. And, and it's like, God, you want me to do something totally new regarding my career? And it was, again... More of me rejecting myself and saying, I can't do it. Well, what was I doing, church? I was putting all the pressure on me, trusting in myself. But by God's grace, little by little, I've been able to let go and just accept, okay, God, you've brought this to me. I'm going to do it, but I'm going to need you to help me. You've got to do it. I I can't. I don't have any background. I don't have training, something totally new. I'm already... 43 years old but when I've done that and I continue to do that trusting God asking God to equip me with the knowledge the skills that I need for this new venture that I'm embarking upon God has given it and in very short time in this new business venture God has given me some success some early success it's not because of me it's because of him the success is all because of Him. It's not because of me and Yellen, my wife. Not because we're smart. Not because we understand this business or we have great connections. No, it's just God's grace, favor, and blessings. That's it. So I give you, God, all the glory for the favor and blessings that you have given us in this new business venture. that's why God wants to bless us and I try to say that as humbly as possible God wants to bless us his church so that we have more and more testimonies to share about him and his son to a watching world so they too can know the abundant life that Jesus came to give us, John 10 10, and the eternal life for which He died for, that all who believe in Him can and will inherit. Oh, dear friends, from the word of the Lord that we've heard today, may we rise above rejection as we move from rejection and move towards God and his good purposes and plans for our life. I don't know where you are today, those of you listening. If you're not able to move past rejection, you're struggling with that, and perhaps at the same time, you've never truly repented of your sins and given your life to Jesus Christ, invited him to come in and be your Lord and Savior, personal Lord and Savior. You do that first, you do that first. that's the most important thing we've got we've got to be in Christ. That's the first thing we need to do. so if you're out there and you're struggling and you feel like what's the purpose in life you talk about God's good plans, I'm not experiencing it well first, you got to get right with God. you got to have your sins forgiven and come to Jesus. you do that first, maybe some of you are out there and You say, Jonathan, I'm in Jesus. I'm a child of God. I know that. Maybe, just maybe, you've neglected your relationship with God. You had not been seeking him fervently and wholeheartedly like Jesus did and like Elijah did from our text for today. Would you repent? There's sin in your life. Repent of that. Come back to God. Get right with him. Seek him. He'll speak to you. He'll tell you what you're supposed to do. And he'll encourage you, even though you've been let down a bit, because of rejection and perhaps failure that you've experienced uh, during this time. And then for all of us, we need to remember how much God loves us as His children. How God has a good purpose and plan for our life, for your life, through which we bring Him glory. We bring Him praise. Resolve not to please man only to please God. Seek God with all your heart. Do what God's called you to do. Be quick to witness for Jesus, God's Son, and bear testimony of God's goodness in your life. You do that. You'll live the abundant life. You'll rise above rejection. And others will be blessed through you God's kingdom will be advanced and he'll be glorified. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word today. We believe, Lord, that you had this word for us on this very Sunday. Lord, I pray that we would continue to open our hearts and I pray, Holy Spirit, you continue to work in the hearts of all those who have listened. And I pray... Your word, O Lord, and your spirit would change us, would do in us what needs to be done according to your good and perfect will. Thank you so much, Father. It's in the precious name of Jesus Christ we pray and give thanks. Amen.